salvation that's offered to us. There was mercy in your eyes. 
forever to the King of Kings. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. I hope and pray you had a great Thanksgiving. And now that that has passed, it's time for the Christmas season, right? Uh, so some places have been ready for like the past month and a half, but we like to wait here at Northside till after Thanksgiving. Uh, man, don't the decorations look awesome? Don't they look beautiful? Um, Special thanks to, uh, to Curtis and Ann. Notice how I put you first. You like that? Curtis and Ann uh, and Miss Janie also helped, and, uh, and Curtis survived. And so uh, praise, praise the Lord for that. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so thankful that you are here. If this is your first time with us, uh, thank you for being our guest. We know there's a lot of places you could have visited this morning. Uh, the Lord brought you here, and so we praise the Lord for that. Inside your bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information uh, about yourself. And if you would like to know more about our church, why we exist, what our, what our purpose is, uh, what we're all about, we would love to share uh, some of that with you. 
so at this time of the year, we kind of transition from our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, which you haven't returned yours yet. Bring them back as soon as possible. Uh, we see a, a bunch of boxes still up here, and, and some may still be out. And we transition into our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so inside your bulletin should be uh, a pamphlet. Um, this is a 2020 week of prayer for international missions. I believe there's eight days in here. Uh, so starting today, going through next Sunday, I want to encourage you to take one of these home, spend some time each day in prayer for some of our missionaries. Our church goal is $7,000. You can give that starting today. Uh, envelopes are located out there in the foyer. Please put it in one of those designated envelopes that has the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering international missions. Use one of those envelopes. You can give through the entire month of December. There's a lot of different ways that you can give. One is putting it in the envelope. Another way is we have our post office out there. We have the slots for the Christmas cards. Our mailbox got thrown away. Um, and so when we, when we threw some stuff away, I think it got thrown away in that. So we're going to figure out a way for you to put uh, your money in there. And then also we have our manger up here. And so we encourage each year for our kids uh, to come and you can play, they can place their money uh, in that. They can do that throughout any, any time that we're singing on a Sunday morning. They can come put that um, in the offering plate. Uh, and so we're going to emphasize this each and every Sunday. We'll have a video uh, that will talk about our mission. So check out this video. For many weeks, our churches have been unable to have physical gatherings. But by God's mercy, the Church of Jesus Christ continues. The Southern Baptist Convention continues. For 175 years, we have pressed forward together through wars, disasters, plagues, economic downturns, and political upheavals. Our effort of proclaiming Christ around the world has never stopped. Your support, your prayers, your gifts, all of us working together as the body of Christ have kept our missionaries on the field over the decades and keeps them there now. God is at work around the world in the most amazing ways and he is using you, your family, and your church to help your missionaries, our missionaries, as they move forward with the gospel. The Derbyshires partner with churches in the United States to lead mobile clinics all over Thailand, using medicine as a means to share the gospel with those who have no other access. Christ is proclaimed, disciples are made, and churches are planted. In Kenya, 
IMB missionary Kristen Lowry believes the very best place for a child is in a family. That is why she is working alongside National Kenyan Partners to rescue boys living on the streets, restore their lives, provide shelter, a trade, physical and spiritual nourishment, and reunite them with their families. The Worthy family has recognized the importance of investing in relationships and in Italian culture, which is why they have planted their lives in Italy for the past 17 years. College students have dropped the term hard places from their vocabulary and are responding to go anywhere in the world where people don't have access to the gospel. We treasure Jesus and his gospel above all. But let us remember, we are not called to hoard the gospel, but to herald it far and wide. We are not called to stockpile the gospel, but to send it forth to those yet in darkness that they may see the light of Jesus Christ and live. these little golden bows here to the tree and so last year our goal was a little different this year our goal is seven thousand dollars and there's 24 bows and so for every two hundred ninety one dollars and sixty seven cents um, <laughs> that's raised and I don't know who's gonna do the math on that each week we'll put some bows on the tree or maybe we'll find one more bow maybe to go on the top and when we finish it off because divided by 25 is a little easier so but I just wanted to, to bring your attention to that um, and as we light our Advent candles here, we want to do that recognizing, and, and we, we put this together with the, with the uh, Lighting Moon Christmas offering, recognizing that while we understand the gospel, we also have a burden to share the gospel. And so with that, uh, let's uh, go into our Advent uh, thought for just a moment. I would ask if you will... Uh, reflect back with me on 2020 and I wonder what pictures come to your mind I have a few thoughts the the canceling or postponing of events a sudden move to online worship services and zoom business meetings no school or homeschool or online school or some weird hybrid school Empty paper aisles and limits on cleaning supplies. Racism, protests, and riots playing out on the TV screens. Or maybe, maybe there are a few little buzzwords or phrases come to your mind, like virtual. Or wash your hands, wear a mask, and social distance. Or words like unprecedented, flattening the curve, and pandemic. Phrases like 
Black Lives Matter, intersectionality, systemic racism, critical race theory, or absentee mail-in and or in-person voting. And I'm sure many, many more ideas or thoughts come to your mind as well. But I submit to you this, this morning, that we turn to something else. Something more endearing, something more fulfilling, something that brings, in a word, hope. The prophet Isaiah told of a day when those walking in darkness shall see a great light. Listen, with the birth of Jesus Christ, hope entered the world. And this year, when everything is so 2020, may we cherish the promises of Advent perhaps even more strongly than ever before. And as we sing these great Christmas carols, let them come from the depths of our hearts. And let us carry out the prophecy of Isaiah and bring light to people walking in darkness. There is hope, and his name is Jesus. Like the dawning of a new day, hope has come. I'm reminded of one line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn.
Let's all stand together as we continue to sing.
remain standing, if you will, in honor of reading God's Word. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at one verse. I don't typically preach just on one verse, but I left this verse specifically for this morning, and that will finish our study in 1 John. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. Little children... Keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Father God, as we open your word, we pray that it is your word that would speak. Spirit of God, move in this place. Lord, as we look at idolatry, Spirit, we pray that you would show us the idols in our life. Lord, for some of us, it may be a good gift that you've given to us, that we have made the ultimate gift. It may be something that we think we can't live without. So we pray that you would show us that, that you would expose that to us, and then that you would bring us to a place of repentance and to a place in which we take hold of Jesus Christ and worship him supremely, and we worship you, Father, alone. For your glory and your honor. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is an idol? What is an idol? Uh, we were at uh, Snowbird Wilderness Camp uh, earlier this summer, and one of the guys on staff, Spencer Davis, did a breakout session on idolatry. And so hopefully uh, our students uh, are well-versed on what is an idol, what is idolatry. Uh, in his talk, in this breakout session, he defined what is an idol. He gave four definitions, and I thought it was very helpful. I remember writing these down. And so let me just share these four things with you as we kind of springboard uh, this morning into uh, an idol. John says, keep yourselves from idols. So what is an idol? Well, one definition, these will appear on the screen, is he says, it's a man bowing down to a statue. An idol might be a man bowing down to a statue. Now, I have never bowed down to a statue in my life. I haven't seen that much here in America. But when you go into other countries, when I was in Japan, for example, you see people flocking to these temples, and they are literally bowing down to statues, to idols that maybe they have in their living room. And so that is a form of idolatry, a man bowing down to a statue. Most of us would probably say, I'm not guilty of that, therefore I'm not an idolater. But we continue. It also means worshiping a person or an idea. Again, for most of us, maybe this isn't our struggle. You may maybe aren't saying, hey, I idolize fill in the blank. Like Michael Jordan is my idol and you have Michael Jordan stuff everywhere. Uh, right, That may not be um, your struggle, but some people, they're worshiping a person or an idea. But then the third and fourth definition hits a little closer to home. Number three, Spencer said an idol is something we love or serve in place of God. It's something you can't live without. If there is something in your life that right now, if you're honest, you would say, man, if I lost this, I don't know if I could live without it. That has become an idol. That has become something that you are worshiping. And then the fourth definition, he said, is something that we look to to give us what only God can provide. So something we're looking to and we think, well, man, my identity is found in this, good looks, 
right, which I don't have, uh, education, I don't have a lot of that, right? But whatever you may, you may look at and say, this, this is what I'm looking to to give me something in my life. An idol is anything which simply occupi- occupies the place due to God. Anything that occupies the place that is due to God. Idolatry is worshiping anything other than God. A philosopher by the name of Peter Kreeft says that the opposite of Christianity is not atheism. It's idolatry. I think he's got a good point. Everyone is worshiping something. They may say they don't believe in a God, but they're still guilty of idolatry because there's something in their life they're worshiping. We give our heart somewhere, and whatever we give ourselves to, that is our God. So this morning, every one of us in this room and watching online has something in common. We are idolaters. We are. Our nation is filled with idols. The church, the bride of Christ, at times is filled with idols. Our own lives are often filled with idols. And so this morning, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us identify those idols in our life so that we then can keep ourselves from them. So here's here's what I want to do as we kind of think through idolatry. I want to walk you through... Uh, an evangelistic tool uh, called Three Circles. Now, in January, we're going to have an evangelism uh, training on a Sunday evening, and and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit more detail as to what it actually looks like, but I want to apply this to idolatry, and I think it will help you. So, Three Circles, it's a way to share the gospel. The first circle is God's design. God's design, and and this is going to be on the screen, God's design. So, right, we think of Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, right, the Ten Commandments. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. We think of God's design for your life. You are to have no other gods before him. God is not saying, I'm first, but you can have other gods after me. It's not what he's saying. God is saying you are to have no other gods instead of me or in addition to me. You are to worship me alone, period. No other gods, period. You are to worship me. God has designed, this is important for us to understand, God has designed, he has hardwired every single one of us to be worshipers. It's why you worship It's why you're worshiping something, because God has designed you. He has made you to worship. Everyone on planet Earth at this moment is worshiping something or someone. And God is saying, worship me. Now, here's the really cool thing. Not only has God designed us to worship, but God has a design for everything he has created. So God has a design for marriage. God has a design for family. God has a design for money, for career, for sex, right? In all of these things, we are to glorify God because he has designed them and he has a specific design in mind. Exodus chapter 20, verses four through five. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, right? For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Right? We are not to bow down to these idols. God's design for our life is that you bow down and serve your creator only. You serve him only. 
Not for us to bow down and serve idols or false gods or anything made in the image of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You're familiar with these verses. They would have been very familiar to the Israelites. Let me just point out a couple of these verses. We'll start in verse 2. It says that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Look at verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. God's design is good for you. The scripture says it will go well for you. Verse 5, or verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That is crystal clear. What is God's design for your life and for mine? That we love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Verses 12 through 15. Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God that you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other what? Gods. Don't go after them. The gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. So let me recap quickly. God created you, and in creating you, he hardwired you to worship And his design, his perfect and good will, is that every single person who has ever been created worships God alone. You worship God alone. So what in the world went wrong? Why do so many people not worship God at all? Why do we as believers, why are we so quick to run after other idols? Well, that's the second circle that you see in this gospel presentation and that is our brokenness sin leads to our brokenness God hardwired us to worship and his design is for us to worship him but instead we begin to worship other things listen to Romans chapter 1 verse 25 because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever Amen. You and I choose to worship the creature or the created rather than worshiping the creator. We choose to look to the gifts of God rather than to the giver of those gifts. And the Bible has a word for this. It's called sin. It is our sin that leads to our brokenness. So instead of serving God, we choose to rebel and pursue our own way. Instead of worshiping God alone, we worship everything but God. And it leads to brokenness. It leads to guilt. It leads to pain. It leads to emptiness. Listen, we all know, I believe every single person alive today knows deep down in their heart they are broken. They know it. And the reason they know it is because they try to fix it. They try to fix their brokenness. And so what do they begin to do? Those arrows are showing. They begin to turn to all these different things to fix their brokenness, to deal with their guilt and their pain and their emptiness. They begin to pursue these other gods and these idols. What do they begin to pursue? They begin to pursue money. 
If I just had more money, right, I would be satisfied. They begin to, we're living in 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 an age that is completely flipped upside down God's design for sexuality and for sex. We, We look to sports. We look to power. We look to success. We look to fame. Church, we have pastors. We have some pastors who are more concerned with being famous than they are faithful. If you don't believe me, I got a, a link for you on Twitter uh, that you can watch. It's filled with guys preaching, and you can tell in the way they preach, the only thing they're concerned with is being famous. It's being known rather than being faithful to God's word. We turn to materialism. We turn to career. We turn to relationships. And when those things don't work, many people turn to drugs and alcohol because those things numb the pain. And they don't feel as broken or as ashamed when they're doing drugs or when they're consumed with alcohol. We look to these things to give us meaning or to help us escape our brokenness. John Calvin famously said, the human heart is a perpetual factory of idols. The human heart is a perpetual factory of idols. We have all these idols that we worship. One person said, anything can be And everything has been an idol. See, we often think that idols in our life are always bad things. But the reality, I think, for most of us in this room is that our idols aren't necessarily bad or sinful in and of themselves. The problem is we take good things God has given us And we make them the ultimate thing in our life, and then it becomes an idol. So your spouse can be a wonderful gift from God that you treasure and love. Or your spouse can become an idol that you worship. It can be one or the other. And so it can be a good gift that we turn in to this idol in our life. Listen to what Tim Keller says. He writes a lot about idolatry. He says, Thus every person, religious or not, is worshiping something. Idols, pseudo-saviors to get their worth. And then he makes this point. These idols enslave us. And he says they enslave us with, this is going to be on the screen, they enslave us with guilt. If you fail to attain what you are pursuing, You feel guilty for it, or you're made to feel guilty maybe by a parent because you didn't get in that college, or you didn't get that scholarship, or you didn't make the team, right? That's what they wanted for you, and you couldn't live up, and so now you feel guilty. Or it leads to our being enslaved to anger. What happens if somebody tries to block you from getting to your idol? You get angry. Or it may lead to fear. If If someone threatens to take your idol away. You may become afraid. Or it may lead to a drivenness. You have to have this thing until you are so driven and focused upon this one thing that God gets pushed out of your life. Guilt, anger, fear, and drivenness are like fire, he says, that destroy us. Sin is worshiping anything but Jesus. And the wages of sin is death, and the wages of sin is slavery. So God's design is for you to worship him. But because of our sin, it leads to our brokenness. It leads to our worshiping other things. And so this morning, will you acknowledge that you are broken? Can you acknowledge this morning that you are looking to things of this world to satisfy you? Do you long for change? Are you longing for things to be different in your life? 
By now, I hope you've realized you can't change yourself. You can try and try and try, but you will fail. And the things of this world will leave you feeling used and just as broken and just as hopeless. But there is good news. And the good news is the gospel. And that's the third circle in this gospel presentation. And that is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is God's solution to our sin and to our idolatry. Here's what Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 10, 14. He says, flee from what? Idolatry. Flee from idolatry. John tells us to keep yourselves from idolatry. Anybody else just say, wow, that's wonderful, Paul. That's awesome, John. But how in the world do I do that? How do I flee idolatry? How do I keep myself from idols? Well, the answer is actually really simple. And that's simply by turning to Jesus Christ. By turning to Jesus Christ, by repenting of your sins, by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You see, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's solution to our brokenness. And it is God's solution to rescue us from our sin and our idolatry. What we have seen over and over in 1 John is that Jesus proved he could do what he said he could do, which is to forgive us of our sins. That Jesus proved he was who he said he was, the Son of God. Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, enables us to worship God alone. Listen to Luke 4, verse 8. This is Jesus when he's being tempted. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Wow. Thanks, Jesus. Just another reminder that I can't live up to that. Right? Listen to what he says. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Anybody else feel like a failure when you read that? I constantly fail to measure up to loving God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. So where is my hope? Hear me. Your hope is in Jesus Christ who perfectly obeyed that commandment. Your hope is in Jesus who perfectly and obediently worshiped God and served his Father only. He did for you what you and I are unable to do for ourselves. He perfectly obeyed, and then he died in my place. He died in my place. He died for my sin, and he was raised to give me victory over Satan and hell and sin and idolatry. So you cannot worship the true God unless you come to him through Jesus Christ. John has just told us that in verse 20. And when you come to Jesus, something amazing happens. He gives you a new life. Amen? He gives you a new heart. He puts the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit begins to dwell in you. And now you can recover and pursue God's design, which is to worship him alone. And so you come full circle, created to serve and worship the living God. But in your sin, you rebelled against that. You begin to worship and to pursue idols and false gods. God redeems you and saves you through Jesus Christ so that you now can serve and worship the living God. Brothers and sisters, God's design for us is God alone. God alone. So let me take a few minutes and just apply this into our life. In just 
some areas that I've, I kind of see where the church right now, uh, in this season that we're in, might be very tempted to worship some idols. Uh, Origen, one of the, the early church fathers, said this, and this will be on the screen, and I'm going to leave this up there. What each one honors before all else, what before all things he admires and loves, this for him is God. What in your life do you honor before all else? What in your life are you admiring and loving more than God? I pray your answer is nothing, that you love God supremely. Praise the Lord for that hallelujah. But for most of us, there's probably a wrestle with some idols. So what are some things that I think we just need to be mindful of? There's many that we could mention. These are just some things the Lord has laid upon my heart this week. Uh, C.A. Spurgeon writes this, keep yourselves from worshiping yourselves. We have a problem, maybe more so than ever in our individualistic society in which we live, to worship self above all things. We want our will We want our way. We try to use God for what we want. Even in the midst of this pandemic, it seems like so much of what I'm hearing from some people is it's all about me. This is what I think is right. This is how I'm going to live my life. It's all about us. And so often, even in our Christian life, we're really more interested in using God to get what we want. And so really... The person sitting on the throne of our heart is me. It's me. And I just want to challenge you. If that's you, if if the idol that you are worshiping right now is self, you need need to repent of that. And and maybe you're like me in in that, that, that manifests itself in some areas and not others. So I I don't know if, if anyone in this church after one year would say of me that I'm selfish when it comes to leading in in a church. I mean, I I don't try to ever lead in such a way that we make decisions based upon what I want. But when it comes to my family, a little bit different story. You may see that self pop up a little bit more where I'm worshiping myself and I put myself over the family. And so are you guilty of, of worshiping yourself? Here's another area where I think we need to be very, very, very careful. And that is, I think there are many people who right now are guilty of worshiping the United States of America. And we have idolized a political party. My hope is not in any political party. I am thankful and grateful to be a citizen of the United States of America, but I am not going to jeopardize my witness for Jesus Christ for a country or for a political party. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand upon the word of God, and when I do that, believe me, there will be some Democrats who will not like it, and there will be some Republicans who do not like it. But I want to stand and be faithful to the word of God. And and you and I have got to figure out a way how we can love and be thankful for this country, but we do not worship nor idolize it. And I think people are terrified right now that they're about to lose the country, and if they lose the country, their life will fall apart. Not mine. 
and not yours if it's built upon Jesus Christ. It may get harder. Our faith, we may begin to experience some persecution for our faith in Jesus, but people have been doing that in other countries for a long time. And man, they still love Jesus. Now I pray that doesn't happen. We have an ability to go vote. You need to go vote in January. If you've already voted, that's awesome. If you haven't, you need to go vote. There's a lot that rides on the election here in Georgia. You need to vote. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, Jesus is the one I want to worship, not a country. And I think we're guilty maybe of flipping that a little bit. And then uh, the last thing I would say as we enter into this season is to be careful that we don't worship Christmas and miss out on Jesus. Man, I love, I love this time of the year, right? I love the decorations and I love the trees and I, I love the presents. And I mean, I love, I love gathering with family. I love the Christmas music, right? We were listening to Christmas music while we were gone. And I love all of that stuff. But we have all of these traditions that sometimes we just go through the motions that we miss sight of what it's all about. The hope, right? The peace, the joy, the love that comes through Jesus Christ. David Jackman writes, anything that squeezes God out of the central position towards the margin of my life must be ruthlessly toppled. And a lot of those things are good things that we just need to remove from the center of our life so that Christ can remain on the throne. Uh, let me say this, and then, and then we're going to conclude First uh, John. Um, I read this week something that really convicted me, and it said this. If it can be taken from you, it isn't the true God, but it's an idol. If it can be taken from you, then it's not the true God, and it's not something you should be worshiping in your life. Because God has promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Right? The only way that God could lose you is if God would lose you. But the Bible says he'll never forsake you. He can't lose you, right? And so God can't be taken away from you if you have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So if it can be taken from you, it isn't the true God. What can be taken from you? Your spouse can be taken from you. So don't worship your spouse. Love them, but don't worship them. Your children can be taken from you. Love them, but don't worship them. Don't make your kids the center of your life. Money, career, health, our country, all of these things in a blink of an eye can be taken from you. And if they're taken from you, what do you have left? You should have your relationship with Jesus Christ because that can't be taken from you. So here's how I want to conclude our study in 1 John. Uh, We've been here for most of the year. John talks over and over and over again about living for Jesus and not sinning. Living for Jesus and not sinning. So I want you to understand your goal. Now now hear me, because I'm going to explain this. I want you to understand that the goal of your life should not be to stop sinning. But rather, the goal of your life should be to start worshiping. Your goal is not to stop sinning, but to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because if your goal is simply to stop sinning, here's what will happen to you. You will stop one sin just to pick up another. So if you struggle with anger, 
And you say, man, i got to get rid of this anger. So my focus is to get rid of anger. Then you may get rid of anger only to replace it with pride. But I'm not angry anymore. But I, I overcome anger, right? You become filled with pride. And so your purpose and my purpose is to not stop sinning, but it's to focus on Jesus Christ. It is to replace your desire to sin with a desire to know, worship, and pursue Jesus. See, when you give your time and your money and your heart and your sin and your life to Jesus, when you begin to worship Jesus with all of your heart and all of your energy, and when you do that, you know what you don't have time for? Sinning. You don't have time for idols. You don't have time to give yourself to these things because all of your life will be preoccupied with knowing Christ trusting Christ and living for Christ. Church, I'm calling you to give your life to Christ and to say, I will always live for Christ. And in living for Christ, I'm going to love the brother and sister. In giving my life to Christ, I'm going to continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in giving my life to Christ, I'm not going to continue to live in sin. Let me ask you to close your eyes and, and bow your head. I just want to give you some questions as we conclude, just for you to ponder, for you to think about as we wrap up our study in 1 John and as we bring this sermon of idolatry to a close. Here's some questions, and I'm just going to give you a moment of silence just to think about them, and then I'll close us in prayer. What do you love the most? What do you love the most? What do you want the most? What do you want the most in your life right now? What do you think of the most? When it's just you in your living room or driving down the car, what do you, where do you find your mind going to over and over and over? And the last question is who or what is sitting on the throne of your life? Take a moment just to think about those things. And if you're guilty of idolatry this morning, would you just confess it, repent of it, and just say, Jesus, would you deliver me from it? Would you be willing to keep yourself from idolatry and to refocus your eyes upon Jesus? Take a moment, and then I will close us in prayer. Father, thank you for the good gifts, the many, many good gifts that you have given to us, your children, your people, chiefly the gift of salvation. But Lord, as we just coming out of season of Thanksgiving, we could spend minutes and hours and maybe even days just recounting every single blessing, every single gift that you've given us. Father, would you remind us that all of those gifts have a design? We are to use every single one of those gifts in a way that brings you glory. 
you have defined how they are to be used, the purpose of them, Lord, that is not for us to decide. You have decided that. Well, Father, we are guilty. We are guilty of, instead of worshiping the giver of the gifts, we are guilty of worshiping the gifts, of longing for the gifts, of being devastated when one of those gifts is taken from us. Lord, I'm not claiming that this is easy. In particular, when it comes to losing family members or family members being sick, people that we love dearly, that we've been around our entire life. Lord, it, we know we're going to grieve those things. We, we may even mourn over those things for a period. But Father, I've been reminded through the tragedy of a fellow pastor losing his son, that in the midst of his grieving, Lord, he has said that if you are good in the giving of those gifts, and we believe you are, then Father, we must also believe that you are good when you choose to take those gifts from our lives, that you are good in all of it. So Father, we want to rightly place these good gifts in our life, but we can't do that alone. Because our heart is a perpetual factory of idols. So, Spirit of God, we turn to Jesus Christ. Where Jesus, you can help us to overcome. You can cleanse us. You can forgive us. You can replace uh, our heart of stone with the heart of flesh. And you can give us a desire, a right desire, to worship the Father alone. So do that, we pray. And, oh God, if anyone here does not know you, as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray that they would turn from worshiping their idols to worshiping the one true God. That they would come to you, Father, through faith in Jesus Christ. And that their life would be forever changed. That today would be a day of salvation for them. And Lord, lastly, I pray that as we enter into this, this Christmas season, a Christmas season that will look very different because of the virus, because of different restrictions, Traditions may be altered. Some families, Lord, will not be able to gather. There will be empty seats in families and homes. Father, I pray that we would, as we've talked about already this morning, keep our eyes on the hope that comes through you, Jesus Christ, for your glory and your honor. Let me ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before uh, we close with the word of prayer, let me just encourage you to take some time uh, looking through the bulletin. There's a lot of stuff going on. We'll be here another five or ten minutes if I highlighted in red through all of that. I do want to draw your attention to the fact that we do have our quarterly conference tonight. Uh, it'll start uh, when Awana and the Bible study is finished. Uh, the information will be available for you out there in the foyer when you come back tonight. Hopefully you received an email this week so you can begin to look through, read those minutes uh, and some different things. So I want to encourage you uh, to come back tonight. So we're going to close with a word of prayer. My deacon of the week is David Masden. He's right there. He's been in the nursery and now he's coming to close us in prayer. So if you'll stand, uh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, we haven't, I haven't been able to send out a message yet uh, because I was out of town, but on Friday night, Miss Dolly Farlow passed away. Um, and so many, some of you in here know uh, Miss Dolly and, and Jim, and so if you'll just continue to pray uh, for that family, particularly for Jim, 
uh, and then her children uh, as well. She's been uh, pretty sick here uh, as of late. Had a chance to talk to her son Joey for about 45 minutes uh, last week, and so just continue to pray for them. I don't know any details as far as arrangements or anything, but when we find that information out, we will we'll let you know. But um, this is a hard time of the year for a lot of people. As I just prayed about, there's going to be a lot of empty seats at tables uh, and in homes, and so we just want to lift those people up. So if you'll stand, uh, we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. David.